You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We've been in a series uh, since Easter looking at all the things that Jesus did. We've kind of been on a a time signature in our current time with the current time of of post-resurrection. And so Easter, we celebrated the resurrection, and that was wonderful. And, you know, I keep saying... How, how much more do you think the disciples paid attention to what Jesus had to say after they saw the nail prints? You know, they walked with him for three and a half years and, and they heard him teach and they saw what he did and they even got to go out and do some of it and, and it had a huge impact on their lives, no doubt. But then when everything was dashed at the cross and, and all scattered except for John still at the, at the foot of the cross with Mary, as we see that picture, <laughs> Peter denying three times, totally feeling completely lost, and then Jesus shows up. Wow. Acts tells us in chapter 1 that over a period of 40 days that Jesus was with his disciples and taught about the kingdom. Oh, yeah. I want to sign up for that class. I want, to, I want to go to that class. I want to, to sit at the foot of the resurrected Lord himself in bodily form and hear what he has to say about his kingdom. That'd be just awesome, wouldn't it? So we've been looking at that. And, and in light of today, you know, he had left 10 days ago. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he said, go in Jerusalem and wait for the gift, the promise that my father has. So they wait 10 days, and then we get to today. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wow. Now that's an encounter. That is the birth of the church. If Jesus is coming to earth, his birth brought in the potential for the kingdom And then as he grew up and began his ministry, he introduced us to the kingdom. We heard what the kingdom was. We saw it demonstrated by Jesus as he would heal the sick, cleanse the leper, (laughs) open deaf ears, blind eyes, drive out demons, raise the dead. We get a a, a scope of what the kingdom includes. Hmm. That's pretty exciting to me. Haven't raised anybody from the dead, physically, a lot emotionally, a lot spiritually, but we're still waiting for our first physical. That, that's going to be awesome. That's going to be cool. So we see the dynamic relationship as Jesus brings and inaugurates the kingdom of God. We see that with his death and resurrection and ascension, he is now 
releasing the Holy Spirit, who becomes the active agent, the source of the kingdom on earth. And so we, we read that and, and the, the theophany, the, the amazing way in which the Holy Spirit descends with the, with the fire and the wind and the, the sound, <clears throat> all the senses that are just getting activated by the reality that the third person of the Trinity has just arrived to earth in a very special way. Jesus' prayer, we sung it already, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That was the heart of Jesus. He wanted the kingdom to come from heaven to earth. He, and he identified that as being God's will to bring from heaven to earth God's kingdom. So the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God go hand in hand. You can't talk about one without talking about the other. Paul put it this way in Romans 14, 17. He said, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Hmm. The source of the kingdom is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings expression to the kingdom of God on earth and in our lives. And the kingdom of God and the Holy Spirit are absolutely inseparable. You can't remove one without the other. John put it this way in chapter 14. Jesus is speaking and he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, do you know the Holy Spirit's going to be with you? They might know that. Now check with them. Do you know that the Holy Spirit's going to be in you? Mm. And that's what we're going to look at today. The, the twofold dynamic of the Holy Spirit in you and the Holy Spirit on you. In Acts chapter 1, <clears throat> I'll read the verses 4 and 5 before we get to verse 8. We'll have 8 on the screen for you. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Then we go down to verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Wow. Wow. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll have power to be my witnesses. Okay? It's preposition Sunday today. We're looking at prepositions. With, on, in. Okay. All the prepositions that have to do with the Holy Spirit. Jesus in his life, when he came, it looked this way. Luke records in chapter 4, he says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, 
returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. We find that with Jesus, as, he, as he's on, on earth, he's, he's conceived by the Holy Spirit supernaturally with Mary. We find the next dynamic of the Holy Spirit is when he's baptized and the Spirit comes and rests upon him and it takes the form and the fashion of a dove. Wow. And then he goes, led by the Spirit, into the wilderness and he does battle with the prince of darkness. He does battle with the devil. And when he comes out, He goes into the wilderness with the Holy Spirit. When he comes out, he comes out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. And I love that. When when you read Luke 4 on, you start to see the demonstrations of the power. And Jesus seeing that there's, there's power for healing, and he releases it. Amazing stuff in the Gospels. So we see that the Holy Spirit is in us and the Holy Spirit is on us or upon us. And when we look at what is the dynamic of what the Holy Spirit does when he comes in us. I've heard it put this way. The Holy Spirit is in me for my benefit. He comes on me for your benefit. When the Holy Spirit is in me, When the Holy Spirit is in us, it's for the purpose of transformation. He wants to transform us. He wants to work inside of us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18, he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is in you, it's to bring freedom. Now as the Holy Spirit comes in you, he comes in you so as to reorder the things that have have captivated us, that have captured and imprisoned us, the things that have held us and restricted us and limited us in our ability to understand who God is and in our ability thus to understand who we are. And the whole thing that the enemy wants to do is to to bring as much clutter into your life so that you will not have the freedom to move for that which you were created for, for the intimate relationship with God. And so he, he does everything he can. But Paul tells us, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, has been given to us so that we could be free. There's a difference between those who think with the ability of being a free person than those that think with the mindset of a slave, of someone who is imprisoned, incarcerated. And the enemy wants to break us out of jail today 
whatever that looks like in our lives. You might say, well, I, I, I'm not in jail. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different ways in which the Holy Spirit restricts and limits and contains the dynamic of God's glory that you were created in that image. And my heart has been all week, Lord, would you just blow the lid off? Would you, would you open the prison doors once again? And here's, here's the thing that I've seen. I've seen. I've seen the Lord open prison doors. But people have been so familiar with the cell that they've been in for so long, they don't want to come out. They don't want to leave that which is so familiar, that which is so secure. It's not like they enjoy being in it, but they, they've been there so long that they don't even know what life would be like if they went through the cell gate, if they, if they went through that. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will release divine courage for people to get out of jail, get out of the cell, get out of whatever the enemy has been able to confine, to restrict, to limit, whatever he's been able to do. I pray that today we get some divine encouragement divine courage. I'm even praying for a cattle prod of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> for some that just will refuse and they will sit there because we're so deceived and, and, and we really think that we've, we've maybe done the unpardonable sin. We've, somehow we, we've disqualified ourselves from his love, his favor, whatever it is. I'm praying that if he has to today, that the Holy Ghost prattle, cattle prod comes and you get zapped to where it's so unpleasant to stay in your cell. You got to get out. Mm. So he's going to transform us. The other thing that he does with, as he does within us and as the freedom begins to take place, we find that he begins to uh, release to us the areas of authority that he's been delighted to give to us. Authority. Do you realize that when you walk in the light as he is in the light, there's nothing that darkness can do to you. You have, over, you have authority over every manifestation of evil that would come against you. <laughs> darkness can't win. Jesus says something pretty incredible. In John 12, 49, he says, I don't speak on my own authority, the Father who sent me gave me his, his own instructions as to what I should say. I think we're going to find that if we want to walk in more authority, it's going to require a greater level of submission. It's going to require surrender. We have to understand what it means to be under authority in order to release authority. Because the only authority that we have is the authority that's been delegated to us by God the Father, God the Son, through the Holy Spirit. And as that authority has been released to us, if we are not in submission to the one that gave it to us, then we don't have the effect in releasing that authority below us. Does that make sense? Anybody understand that? Sure so the more you're in submission to the Lordship of Christ, the more you're in submission to the Lordship... <laughs> 
the more you're able to see the actual authority of Jesus released on the earth. And what kind of authority does Jesus have? When he came, he, he didn't speak on his own authority. He came underneath the Father's authority. And then after the cross and the resurrection, as the proclamation of the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he says, Then Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on, and on earth has been given to me. All authority. All authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth. He's got every bit of authority now. He's the absolute authority. If you're in submission to him, the only thing that can restrict the authority that you carry is the lies that the evil one convinces you and gets you to embrace and to believe is true. And so if we have all the authority of Jesus that has been given to him, he now then releases to us and we think, well, I've got authority over my house. I've got authority over my marriage. I've got authority over my kids. And by golly, they better know that. I got authority over you. No. But whatever it is, all authority has been given to Christ in heaven and on earth. He's taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven we find that he wants the full release of his authority to the earth. And you and I are the ones that are called to carry that out. And that comes as a part of the Holy Spirit being in us. And as he's in us, he begins shifting the lies and the agreements and all the things that is restrict and confined and limited the manifestation of kingdom authority in our lives. But then the Holy Spirit is on us. The Holy Spirit is in us to transform us. He comes on us to release his power through us. Oh, yes. He's in us for us, but he's on us for others. He's in us for us. He's doing a, an incredible work of righteousness. He's, he's bringing awareness of all the authority. He, he's transforming us from glory to glory. He's doing an incredible work inside of us. But he comes upon us because he wants his kingdom demonstrated and released in the earth. And that's where yeah, we've got to know our authority. It's kind of like in creation. In Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And what was the Holy Spirit doing? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And I think this is something that we need to understand if we're ever going to move out in the authority that has been given to us as a believer in Jesus Christ. We've got to understand that when we come into a situation, the Holy Spirit's already been hovering over that situation. And just like creation, when the Holy Spirit is hovering over the formless void, it's there waiting for the spoken word of God. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Likewise, in similar manner, as you come across a situation that's needing a, a, a miracle, it's needing something from God, you know that the Holy Spirit has always preceded you. He's still hovering over the earth. He's over that. He's waiting for a word 
to be spoken to activate the miracle, the release, whatever the authority that we carry. Let's see, do I carry authority over headaches? Uh, do we carry authority over broken bones? Uh, do we? Uh, I'm not trying to get you freaked out, but I'm saying a lot of times the reason why w- when we're ministering in a situation, the Holy Spirit's already there, <laughs> but I've gone in places where the spirit of death is also ministering right over the person too. And you know what he's waiting for me to do? He's waiting for me to say, oh, I think that one's too far gone. I think that one we've got to just realize, you know, we don't win all the time. And so, but if the Holy Spirit is still hovering, Holy Spirit hovering trumps spirit of death hovering every day and twice on Sunday. (laughs) It's amazing how powerful Holy Spirit hovering is. But he needs someone who not just intellectually can blubber a word, but because of faith and intimate relationship with the heart of the Father, knows the heart of the Father for this situation, is so in tune and so current in the relationship with the Lord that they can come and the Holy Spirit's hovering and they can release the very word of the Lord to that person and see a demonstration of the kingdom of God from heaven to earth. Man, that's good preaching, man. I'm, I'm getting built up. Yeah. This is great. This now is good stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. I'm not talking about that. This isn't about little secrets that you learn that you can now out of yourself control and use. No, this, the kingdom of God is always about relationship. The kingdom of God is family. And as we come into the kingdom of God, we understand relationship with the Holy Spirit is so important. So we understand and discern the heart of the Father. And we have the one who's been commissioned to earth to glorify Jesus here. And so we see Jesus like we've never seen him before. And out of that relationship, this stuff happens. It doesn't happen because I took a course in how to raise the dead. It doesn't happen because I believe the preacher said that we can do this. And I'm not really sure, but let's give it a try. Well, go ahead. Sometimes God loves to just surprise you. And all of a sudden, faith is birthed. And as more faith, more authority, more submission, more reality of heaven to earth. Hmm. The power comes with the manifest presence of God. Oh, yes. Always got to have a John Wimber quote when you're preaching in the vineyard. So here's my John Wimber quote for the day The power is in the presence. Hmm. One of the things when I was in school and I was studying, I was studying Doksa and Kabad, Shekinah. I was studying all the biblical words for glory. And everywhere where there's glory, there's always the very presence of God. His glory and his presence are essentially always together. You never have his glory without his presence and you never have his presence without his glory. 
and where his presence is and his glory is, anything is, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Hmm. So what hinders his presence in our lives? Well, that could be a whole sermon series. I was talking to the Holy Spirit, and I said, Lord, is, what, what is it that, that messes us up? Well, you know, it, because it's relationship, not spending time with them is, is one of the big things. And what's the enemy used to get us to not spend time with us? Uh, all our schedules, our busyness, uh, sometimes it's shame. We feel like we, we, we don't deserve to be in his presence, so we kind of shame ourselves out of his presence. Sometimes it's deception. We've been told that uh, God only likes uh, white, Anglo-Saxon, uh, bald-headed people. So, you know, <laughs> everybody else is out of luck. And, and we believe a lie, and we don't get into it. Sometimes we don't spend time with them, and this is the one that I find in a lot of mature Christians that have just kind of lost their way, is because we think he won't show up. And it's that fear of rejection. It's that fear of relational rejection of what happens if I, if I want to say, okay, Lord, I'm coming to be with you, and I've, I've got it in my schedule at 7 a.m., and I'm show up, and, and he's not there. Oh, my what, what does that do? Especially when, when you got uh, Brother Fred over here who's, who every time there's a testimony, well, so I was meeting the Lord at five o'clock this morning. It was just so good. And I just felt so loved and the Lord was there. And you're thinking, oh gosh. You're going to come to two conclusions. Either God loves Bob more than you or Fred more than you or I got up at the wrong time. He doesn't show up at seven. I better get up at five. I hope, I hope you see the folly of both of those. But we got to spend time. I'd like to add a word of testimony about that. He always shows up. Yep. Ten years ago or so, uh, Rick observed that I was not in great shape and got me to withdraw from ministry and we started meeting weekly. We haven't stopped. And I started using my bicycle as a cathedral on two wheels to spend time with the Lord every day in the morning. And for about two weeks, it was almost stone silent every time. But he was present. And sometimes you just have to get used to being quiet. Amen. That's a good word, Mike. Mm-hmm. In the emotional, healthy spirituality that we've done here at the church, Part of our, our daily office is spending two minutes to be quiet before the Lord. And it's amazing how, how hard two minutes of silence is in our culture. We're, we're, we're such a stimulated, a visually audible kind of culture, you know, reality that being still and knowing that he's God is so hard. But the quieter you get, the louder he speaks. The, or at least the, the louder you're aware of his presence. Because sometimes he doesn't even have to speak. That's for sure. Thanks, Mike. That's really wonderful. How we treat others, relationships, really comes into play in, in our submission to the Lord and our ability to see the kingdom flow, the relational dynamic. You look at Peter, and he puts it this way in 3.7. He says, 
Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And we've taught on the culture of honor. We understand that honor is at the very core of God's heart. And it's very hard for us to live in in that relational connection when we're being being dishonorable with other people. Learning to love, oh, this is, this is where I've been. I don't know for how many years now he's, he's got me. He's brought people in my life that I could see love flowing out of. They just loved. And, and, and when I wanted to talk about someone, it was awkward because love was present. You couldn't gossip. You know, even Christian gossip. Well, I'm working with this person and I need you to help pray for this person because, (laughs) you know, it's like, oh, no. I love being around people who love. They remind me of my father. They remind me of my savior. They remind me of my counselor. Oh, the Holy Spirit is full of love. And as you get around that, it it makes a difference in what you can get away with. Our behavior sometimes grieves, quenches the Holy Spirit, but most of that grieving and quenching of our behavior is not in our sins near as much as it is how we're treating other people. Folks that battle addictions... The enemy gets their, their sin, their addiction sins so in front of them that they feel disqualified. They, they don't want to come into his presence. And usually if they pray for someone and nothing seems to happen or God didn't show up, they think, oh, it's because of my sin. They didn't realize, no, it's because you kicked the dog, you spoke harshly to your kids, and, and you've just been a general jerk all around. And it's kind of like, man, if we clean up our relational dynamic, I think we'll see prayer becoming much more effective. Okay, enough meddling on that stuff. I've had an incredible week this week. It's it's just been an unbelievable week. I've been pinching myself just to make sure I'm still human, you know, and and still on planet Earth. I won't go into all the details, but you know how dreams work. I, I, I don't know if you, my dreams just get really silly. It all got triggered because I went and saw Captain America. <laughs> and so as I saw Captain America, it triggered this and it triggered this. And sometimes in your sleep, you get some really crazy kind of sleep dreams and stuff like that. And I won't go into all the different movies that got touched upon. We believe you. But in my dream, I was in surgery and I was having a heart transplant. And I was awake and could see into the cavity of my chest, right where the heart goes. And I'm thinking it's like a dream that I had where they clone people and then when it's time that you need an organ, you go harvest it from the clone. So, you know, I'm there and I'm thinking this movie and all this stuff. And I look over to, the, to my left and here comes the heart 
that's coming to me, just freshly harvest. And I look over, and it's Jesus. And it freaked me out. And Jesus is there, and the heart's coming, and it gets put into my chest. And it was like, oh, oh. I woke up that morning. It was a good morning. It was just good. It was just so incredibly good. Because if, if you know anything about my life for 20-some years, I've just been praying for God to work in my heart. That's why I counsel people about their heart, and that's how it happened to me, life in the heart. But as, I, as I've been meditating on this, it's just like, you know, to receive the heart of Jesus, you've got to want to have the heart of Jesus. You've got to ask. In my dream, I didn't ask. It just, it just happened. But I've been crying out for the heart of Jesus for a long, long time. And it, and it came. It was so incredible. It was so wonderful. It was just amazing. I can't even, there's no words to describe. That's why God has to speak through dreams. And this is the season that he's going to speak through dreams and visions and supernatural communication because we're a little slow up here to realize all that has been given to us because all authority belongs to him. And, and so I had his heart and it was just amazing. And I just, when I realized that, I thought, Lord, I really want to take good care of this heart. You know, what do we do as human beings? We, we want to somehow make it about us. You know, I'm going to really take good care of your heart, Jesus. I want to make sure that, it, you know, I, I, I don't want anything unclean coming into your heart. You know, no, 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 no. Nothing unclean can come into his heart. If it tries, it just bounces off. Don't worry about it. It's not about your heart stewardship program. It's about his heart. So I thought that was really cool. That was on Monday night. Had a great time. Couldn't wait. Had a fun time. Shared it with leadership, all this kind of stuff. And, and then we had our, our School of Kingdom Ministry class on Thursday night. And Ashley and, and Eric, so wonderfully, they carry the Holy Spirit and releases. And we got to experience that this morning. And so we're just soaking in the presence of the Lord. And Ashley was given instruction and Eric given instruction of writing down notes, you know, as the, as the Holy Spirit gives you words for people, you know, just tear off pieces of paper and just give little notes to somebody, let them just bless them. Words of encouragement, maybe a prophetic word. If you're like my wife, it's probably only one word. Lord have mercy. I've never seen the Lord open up so many hearts with just one word by one woman in my life. So here's my, we're worshiping the presence of the Lord's great. It's wonderful. I'm just having a great time and all this kind of stuff. And this is the word that Rebecca Emmerich through the Holy Spirit gave to me. Rick, he knows my name. You have my heart. Love God. Now, if you thought Monday morning or Tuesday morning was wonderful, Thursday night was ecstatic. It was like, (sighs) so I couldn't wait for Pentecost Sunday because I wonder what he wants to do for you. 
This isn't because of my position. This is because of my position as a son, not as the official position of a a minister. This is for sons and daughters. I wonder what he wants to do for you. Let's ask him. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I'm happy to be in the old man category. (laughs) Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Mm. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we call on your name, Lord. We've known you to be good. We've known you to be loving. We know that you are light and that you are spirit. And therefore we open our lives to you and we welcome you, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would release upon all of the sons and daughters here that which would bring your glory to the next level of their lives. I pray that where there needs to be a manifestation of your kingdom, I pray for physical bodies to be healed. I pray for relationships uh, to be restored. I pray for wisdom, for decisions that need to be made. Mm. I pray for peace to the winds, to the waves, to the storms. Let your peace be released. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.